So in the first session, we looked at the actions of worship, and we discovered nine of them. They are singing, playing instruments, lifting of hands, clapping, shouting, dancing, bowing down, standing, and giving. So yeah, so if, if you haven't heard that, go to the podcast. But in this second session, I've entitled it, Attitude is Everything. We're going to look at seven attitudes of worship. So I've been leading worship for almost 20 years now. Don't look like it. I pre- look pretty young, eh? No. But um, I've started in the worship ministry when I was 13 years old. So do your math. You know how old I am. But in my busiest season, I have led up worship up to five times in a single week. I don't always feel like it. Sometimes I just want to stay home and relax, especially in the morning when I look at my babies and I'm like, oh. <laughs> but I have come to learn that having a proper attitude in life and in worship is so important. Because Jesus said, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. God doesn't like fake. God wants our hearts to be true before him. Because the Bible also says, The eyes of the Lord searches the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Did you catch that word fully? I want to be one of those true worshipers who is fully engaged. I want to have a proper attitude when I worship my God. 1 Samuel 16, 17 also puts it this way. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So when we talk about attitudes, we're talking about a heart issue. So here are a number of attitudes of worship that I have discovered in the Bible. Number one, thankfulness. We love it when people express their thankfulness for a gift that we've given them or something that we've done for them, right? We love it when they don't take those things for granted. God is the same. God wants us to have thankful hearts when we come to worship Him. Over and over in the Bible, I read the words, give thanks to God, or giving thanks always, or be thankful, or thanks be to God, or with thanksgiving. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Also in the New Testament, Colossians 3.16 tells us to sing psalms and songs and spiritual song, uh, hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Having a grateful heart is huge. When we realize the depths and the height of his love and the great gift of his son Jesus, how can we be anything but thankful and uh, I know I use my daughter a lot in my illustrations, but that's the season I'm in. But Isabel is just, you know, we, we, when she grew up, we started teaching her to say thank you. 
And at the start, it was quite difficult. Every single time we go, say thank you. Or after we've given her something or, you know, um, uh, you know, done something for her. And, but that's the teaching stage. But then at one point, when we realized, she actually started saying it on her own will. And we're like, whoa. And that was a moment that we actually were, you know, were real grateful and we were like amazed at that, that moment when she on her own said thank you without us having to prompt. And, and, and I think God, God, you know, does the same thing in the Bible where he says, you know, with these verses of saying, give thanks. It's kind of that teaching moment. But when our hearts begin to automatically overflow with thankfulness, I think that's when God goes, yep, that, that's it, guys. Awesome. You know, but it, it's, it's such a uh, simple thing that I believe sometimes we can also take it for granted. So, so that's a point of attitude that we really need to look at. Number two, honesty. When I read through the Psalms, I am sometimes shocked at the honesty of the writers. You can really tell when they are going through struggles. Their humanness shows through. God is not surprised at the difficulties that we go through. He understands where you're at. He knows when we've been treated unfairly. He knows when we have been hurt. And frankly, you're not going to shock him. I think some of the best song lyrics comes from the deepest sorrows and uh, tragedies. Think of the great hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. It says, When peace, like a river, attended my way, when sorrows like sea blows roll, Ever my Lord thus has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And in the second verse, though Satan may buffer, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ had regard my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. And when you realize that these lyrics were born out of a ship collision at sea, that took the life of the writer's four daughters, all four of his daughters, you begin to realize the depth of the writer's sorrow. And then the faith behind the lyrics begin to shine like a beacon of hope. Another example would be the modern worship song, Desert Song. Though many have wrongly attributed the writing to Brooke Fraser, the woman who actually wrote this beautiful um, worship song is Jill McClock also a member of Hillsong United. I'm going to show you a video. And, and, and in this video, she personally describes the painful loss of her baby and her struggle with trusting God in the midst of distress, which led to the writing of this song, Desert Song. So team, can we have that video? About a week and a half before the recording, um, I went into labor. I was about six months pregnant with... Um, our first little boy, Max, had him at the hospital, and he was only 23 plus five, which is 23 weeks and five days old. So it was really little, but we had him, and he was alive, and um, he was in the neonatal ICU, you know, where they were kind of taking care of him, and we basically spent a full day with him, and we believed and we prayed that he would be okay, but we trusted that God was in control. And that night he um, he died of, you know, just being too little, basically. I was going to sing an album before 
before any of this happened. I didn't even think about the album until, you know, three or four days afterwards. But um, I just remember thinking when my name was on the, you know, roster saying he was doing what, just thinking, feeling like I had to do it. And I actually remember sitting in the hospital right after everything happened and knowing that I needed to see, that, that I needed to still do what I know I'm supposed to be doing, and that I felt like that was just a victory for us. Right now, anyways, it's just choosing to worship all the time, that that's what it is for me, because I don't, I don't always feel like it, I don't feel like, sometimes I don't feel like singing to God, but I know that my circumstance in this season doesn't change, that God is still God. It doesn't change what God's called me to be or what he's called me to do. And he's still on the throne in heaven, you know, and he still rules and he's still bigger than everything that I'm facing. I believed everything that I was singing, and I still don't really know why, but part of me just was still so, like, broken when I did it. It wasn't like this huge rush of, you know, how I always felt when I worshipped, like the presence of God just, you know, flattened me. It wasn't like that. And I remember singing and not feeling that, like how I always felt before, and just going, I know that you're here, God, but I just... Maybe it's because of my brokenness right now. It was so, the, the cut was so deep and it was so fresh that I didn't feel like I felt it before, that I knew I just needed to keep singing and that it was going to be okay. And I just kept singing. And then when we got to album night, it was the first night that I think I felt the presence of God, like like I knew, like I knew Him, like I, and like I had known Him before. For for Jill and I to sit together um, on the night um, was such a privilege for me um, and as who, you know, aside from, you know, her being an amazing worship leader and being anointed and carrying the authority that she does just as her friend and as her sister in Christ, I was so proud of her and aware of um, the weight of her singing that and, um, and just kind of just feeling so, um, it was, I mean, it was a, a real emotional moment and just also being aware that that her standing there and glorifying God in the midst of her loss and her tragedy meant that the devil lost kind of what he was trying to achieve. Even when you're seeing things that you, you know you know are true, but you might not necessarily fully understand that, I think that just being able to look at God and say things that are true of Him and like declare the word of God and declare the promises of God, which is that you know whatever the fire, you know, and when I'm being refined and when I'm in a battle and when the triumph isn't here yet, but it's coming. I think that you look at God and you say, I know this is who you are. And he does get he does get bigger in your life and it takes over the things in you that feel so, you know, shattered and it makes him the focus and it begins to put those things back together. What a powerful story. And when you know the story behind a song that's written, 
and then you look at the first two verses. This is my prayer in the desert, when all that's within me feels dry. This is my prayer in my hunger and need. My God is a God who provides. This is my prayer in the fire, in weakness or trial or pain. There is a faith proved more worth than gold. So refine me, Lord, through the flame. And that is the kind of honesty God seeks when we worship Him. Not to put on a show, not to put on you know, a, a face when we're here. To open up your hearts before Him through what we're going through. And even in the words that we sing on Sundays, sometimes it can feel dry. It can feel like it's just words. But through that testimony of singing through the pain, that God will be magnified and God will be exalted. Number three, reverence. As Kiwis, we love informality, don't we? But when you come before the King of Kings, sometimes you need to remember to come with reverence. It means to regard or treat with deep respect. The writers of the book of Hebrews puts it this way. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. So that's from Hebrews 12, 28. Sometimes I think in our need for informality, we forget who God is. I believe that if you really understand who God is, reverence and awe will naturally be a part of your attitude. My, my parents-in-law are here today, and they go to St. Andrew's Presbyterian, which is a more traditional um, denomination. And I, I, I really think they got this attitude down pat with reverence. Um, and, and for me, it was, it was quite, I enjoyed going to, to their services and, and just to see, you know, the, the deep respect they have when they come before God, you know, and, and even to, to an extent that they extend that, that uh, not the same level, but they do extend the same level, uh, same reverence in the title of their minister, the Presbyterians call their minister reverend which is derived from reverence. And, and it was just a little funny thing that I, I, I've, I've seen my, my in-laws do, which they probably won't want me talking about it. <laughs> but whenever their, their reverend comes to visit at their home, and it affected me because I have to move my car. <laughs> because they want, they want to give the, 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 the spot of the, the car park right in front of the house to... I mean, part of the reason is because their, their reverence is a bit older, but, but also I like to think that they have a deep respect for their, for their pastor and their, their minister and just wanting to honor them when they come visit their home. And um, I was told by my wife, maybe don't share that, but I, that was what I had. <laughs> uh, so I'll probably get scolded later. But I, I, I do believe, you know, sometimes we can... We can be too casual with God, you know. Yeah, it, it, he, the Bible does say He is our friend he, in our time of need. But there's also a mystery and an, and an awe that we need to reserve for just our God. 
and, and, and just coming into church or even before him in worship, I think that's really important that that's the attitude we check in our hearts um, when we come before him. Number four, faith. I want my worship to be pleasing to God. In Hebrews 11.6, it says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. When I lift my hands in worship and sing to God, I have faith that he, he is there. I've never seen God, but I frequently sense his presence. And even if I never, feel, never sense that he is close, just like what Joe said when she was in her time of, of pain, God is pleased when we seek him. He is pleased when I have the faith to worship him, no matter what my feelings are. Number five, humility. James, the brother of Jesus, said, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Another translation um, exchanges favor for grace, shows grace to the humble. And frankly, I want God on my side, don't we? I want a humble attitude. I want to have a humble attitude. It is too easy to be impressed by our own accomplishments and forget who is the real source of all the good in our lives. And it's a difficult thing to do, to die to our pride and to get our self-worth from our relationship to God. God is the source of all the good things in my life. Knowing who God is and that he has given you all that you have keeps you on the right road to have a correct and humble attitude in your worship. And talking about being humble, me and Mikey have a running joke that he, he calls himself the humble bass player. And if, if you think about it, when there, in, in, in terms of the bass, when it is not there, when it's absent from a mix, it's quite obvious. Right? Same like, and it's same like humility. When someone is not humble, you can tell straight away. It, it sticks out like a sore thumb. You know? So if it's not there, but if it's going good, you, know, you don't really notice it. So that's why we call Mikey the humble bass player. But, and and it's, it's something that, that um, you know, even if you look at, at in a band, the bass player tends to be on the back. So it's, it's, it's a little bit hidden. So with this attitude, I think it's sometimes it can get, it, it doesn't seem like a, a front, you know, upfront attitude. But if it's missing in our lives, it, it can rub us the wrong way with God and with, with, with people. And something that, that it's, it's so important, especially those of us who are upfront in the ministry or upfront in anything in, in our lives, it's something to go to think about. And it's not, you know, everything that we do, is it just by our own strength? Or is it by the strength of God? Number six, joy. When, when my kids look up at me and smile, it lights up my heart. You know, Ezekiel is, uh, is just, start, he's a really smiley baby, and he's just starting to really, you know, 
bring that out. Um, and, and Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. God's desire is for us to be joyful. God loves it when his children are full of joy. Too many times in life we feel beaten down. Too many times we feel defeated. God doesn't want us to feel that way. He wants us to remember that he is on our side. So, so many of the lyrics that we sing on a Sunday talks about God is for us. He is not against us. And so when we declare these things, it's to remind ourselves how far we've come. It's to remind us of how many victories that God has already achieved and accomplished in our lives. So God wants us to come into our worship times with joyful songs. Psalms 100 puts it this way. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God and he made us and we are his. You know, and, and joy is one of those things that, that is, you know, sometimes on a Sunday morning it's, it's quite hard to, to be joyful, right? We've just gotten up. <laughs> but, you know, like Joshua said, we, we, we were involved in, in um, a rally called Rise this week. And one interesting thing they did, because it's a youth evangelistic rally, and so after the altar call, after they, they called for salvation, and when um, you know, uh, those people who went away for, to talk about salvation, they had this thing called a praise party. And it might sound a little, I was the same at the start, I was like, what? What are we going to do? A praise party? You know? and, and the thing is, that the motivation behind it was, why are we not praising? Why are we not celebrating when people have come to God? You know? And, and so, you know, they're, they're, we need to create space, maybe in our service, in, in our times of worship, that, that we are thanking God for what He's done in our lives, and, you know, um, of what He's done on the cross, and, but also what He is doing in people's lives um, today. And so with, with these... With, these, with a praise song, one thing I've learned, because we, we have two categories. We've got praise songs and we've got worship songs. So normally praise is your faster upbeat song and your worship is your slower, you know. What I've found is praise requires us to give to God. Praise means to give. Worship, because it's, you know, not because it's just because it's slower. It's when we receive from God. So most of us, like I said, I think I've said this before, most of us are more comfortable with receiving, aren't we, than giving. So my challenge is, whenever there's a praise song, is to get out of our comfort zone and to really give to God what is due His name. And so lastly, the last attitude I want to talk about it's basically a summary of, of everything. It's with our whole heart. I found a slogan online. It says, do things with passion or not at all. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. The, the, first, the first great commandment is 
to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And at times it can seem like it's, it's a, such a big and broad command. But frankly, it means to do things with passion. And frankly, I don't want to go through life without passion. I want someone who puts my whole heart and being into what I'm doing. Whether I'm playing sports, writing music, studying, or spending time with my family, I want to do it with my whole heart. God wants our worship and our love for Him to be with our whole heart. As a musician, I think it's a crime to do music without passion. As a lover of God, I think it's a crime to just go through the motions in our worship because God deserves so much more. To wrap up, human beings have a huge range of attitudes. I want to make sure that when I come into God's presence, that I come with a great attitude. I want to be thankful, honest, reverent, joyful, humble, and come with a heart full of faith. God deserves our whole heart. And mind you, this is not an exhaustive list of attitudes. And a question I want you to reflect on is, what other attitudes are important to you? What question? What other attitudes are important to you when you come to worship God? So have a think about that this week. But to really recap and wrap up this series, can you go to the next slide? Yeah. To really talk about the actions and attitude to worship. These two lots of actions and attitudes are not independent of each other. If you look back on some of the verses we've talked about, it talks about both the action and the attitude whenever we come to worship God. So really, I, the way I see it, it's kind of like an iceberg. The tip of the iceberg is your actions. And your attitudes, it's kind of like the bottom where you don't really see. And, and like the verse that I started off with, that God looks at the heart and man looks at the outward appearance. But there is a correlation between your actions and your attitudes. Because a small iceberg has a small tip and a small bottom. But a larger iceberg would have a bigger tip, but an even bigger bottom. So, when, when we think about it, our actions do reflect what's in our hearts because that's what overflows out of our hearts. You know? So that's why I've talked about these two things. And, and I think as, as we, we reflect and meditate on the Word of God this week, ask, ask the Holy Spirit to really speak to you. What are the actions and attitudes in my worship, not just in music, but in every aspect of our lives. What actions and attitudes do we want to have to, in a sense, improve on or in, in, to really have a grasp upon? So I pray that this series has really blessed you. And it's, it's something that's been on my heart for a while. 
But I just as, I, as we close off and pray, I'd like you to, to really ask God. So let's bow our heads and then pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that, that this series is not just my own words, Lord. That, Father, that by your Spirit, that you will continue to encourage us, that you will continue to, to speak to, to areas in our lives that might be hidden, that might be closed off from you, Father, that we would have not relinquished control of. So, Father, we just pray that we will humble ourselves, that we'll come before you open, that we seek to give you all of our lives and all of our hearts, all of our mind and all of our strength. Until when we meet you face to face. So far, we just thank you that, that you are Lord and you are King of all. So we just pray that, that as we continue to worship you, that Father, that there will be a sense of your presence right now. That Lord, that our hearts will just be broken before you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus.